when I got the house all fixed up and was able to sell it and double my investment. I used that money to buy two more houses, one to live in and one to put on Airbnb as a rental. And then I did that again. I sold the the rental and bought two more rentals. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Thanks for joining me on this journey to your new life. Every week, you'll hear ways to creatively use your existing resources to generate a passive income stream so that you can have more money, more options, and more fun. When I turned 50, I was what I think we can all agree was a loser. I was living in this house. There were six of us all together. So two couples and two singles living in a four-bedroom house with this guy who was much smarter than me and much more, you know, like economically viable at that moment in time. Basically, it was like being a college student living in a dorm, you know. Um, I was at least, I think, twice the age of everybody else in the house. Uh, Big surprise. (laughs) And I had exactly $0 saved for retirement. Um, 50 just kind of snuck up on me, to be honest. I had spent all this time like thinking that I had all the time in the world. And then all of a sudden it's like, your time's up, you know? I basically slipped into this major depression and like self-loathing mode. At the time, I was working as a real estate agent doing mostly rentals. I think at that time, probably all rentals and not making a ton of money. I mean, I knew about real estate investing and I had actually even done some 25 years earlier. And because it was a complete disaster, I just thought, oh, you know, I'm just not cut out for that. I didn't have huge goals. I just wanted to like stop feeling like a complete idiot every time I walk into the kitchen and some 25-year-old person would be sitting there making an egg, you know, and that would be nice, you know, and maybe to buy a decent car. I had this like, I think it was about eight or nine-year-old Nissan Sentra, small car, and it was a stick shift. So I would be like on the phone, right? Picture this. I'm driving people around. I remember this one specific time. There were four huge college students in the car, four kids in the car. I'm driving them around to find help find them an apartment. My phone rings. I've got the phone here. I've got the directions because I don't have GPS. So I've got the phone in my ear. I got the directions. I'm shifting and like, you know, and the kids are looking at me and I, they must have been like, oh my God, are we going to survive this, you know, apartment search? <laughs> yeah. So it was a goal to buy a decent car, maybe even one with Bluetooth and GPS so that it didn't have to be, you know, quite so much juggling and, you know, maybe take a vacation once in a while if you, if you're always going to be really, uh, really having a huge, huge goal. I mean, I knew I had to do something, right? I knew I had to do something different, but I felt like I had so many things working against me. I had terrible credit, not just because I had overspent my credit cards and all that kind of stuff, but also because I didn't have any savings, right? I had like $300 in the bank. And also I was self-employed basically. You know, if you're a real estate agent, they consider you to be self-employed. So a bank is not going to look at your income and say that you might ever have that income again. So you it's just a hassle trying to get a loan when you're self-employed. I felt I was too old at 50 to ask my parents for money. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> I think they would probably agree with that. And so I just was like hopeless. I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I possibly do? 
the adage, you know, it takes money to make money just kept playing in my head. And I just thought, how are you ever going to get the money to make some money? I, I, I can tell you, it's a whole other story, like my her- horrible history with the stock market and how I felt like, you know, investing in a company was a sure way to make them go out of business. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, I think my biggest problem was that I just didn't have any self-confidence. Um, I felt old, which at that time, I, you know, I, I almost feel like I'm older. I was older then than I feel now, if that makes any sense. Um, but I felt old. I felt ugly. And I felt pretty, pretty pathetic. Um, I didn't really even know where to begin to turn all that around. So I was kind of trudging around, you know, feeling pretty crappy about myself and just like, you know, I don't know, waiting to die. I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. But um, And then this was like three weeks after my birthday, I got an invitation to my aunt's 100th birthday party. I mean, I didn't even want to get dressed, never mind go out, never mind, see other human beings. But my mother called and she's like, come on, you know, how many birthdays do you think she's going to have left? She's a hundred for gosh sakes. So I threw on some sweatpants, you know, and I grudgingly went to this party. (laughs) I mean, you'd have to know my aunt. I get to this party and I hadn't been in touch with her. I hadn't been keeping in touch with her that much. And she was just doing her thing. And so I'm expecting what anyone would expect, right? Going to somebody's 100th birthday party. I walk into the room and there she is. She's like holding court. She's sitting at the table. She's got this tiara and like a sash on that says 100th birthday. She and her younger sister, who is only 90, as people were arriving, they're like talking to each other saying, oh, oh, that's Jamie. He's married to Lisa and they have these two kids and this is their anniversary, you know, like that. Like she's just like, Okay, so my aunt and my dad, my aunt and my dad are brother and sister, and they're they're two of 10 kids. So you can just imagine how many aunts and uncles and cousins and people we have running around and spouses and their kids and, you know, running around. I don't even, even now, I have trouble even recognizing half of these people, never mind to know what their name is and heaven forbid their birthday or their anniversary or something. So I stood there looking at her and I just, I mean, I could hear it. I could feel it. I had this paradigm shift, like, whoosh. oh my God, Chris, you have 50 more years. You have 50 more years to get this right. And I just felt the future just go, bam, you know, like explode. All of a sudden I had all these, I just like, it's just like a new lease on life. I can't even tell you exactly how it felt, but all these possibilities sort of just appeared. And I, and I thought, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to get my act together. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps, you know, and get to work. And so the first thing I did was I said, you know, you've got to move out of this house. You know, you've got to get a better living situation. So I thought, okay, what can I do? So I started looking for, first of all, really affordable properties. I was looking for anything under $60,000. Okay. So this was eight years ago, but still that is a cheap, cheap house. And I thought I was going to end up like an hour outside of the city where I was working, but that didn't happen. But anyway, um, and I was looking for friends who might be willing to be partner with me. I thought, well, maybe I can find somebody who'll put the down payment down in exchange for being a partner in the property and me doing the work and paying for the renovations and paying the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't realize it, but I was kind of instinctively putting together a no money down transaction, which is kind of cool in retrospect. And, but of course, so we found this house, I found this house and it all sounded great on paper, but the house was a foreclosure. Okay. It had been abandoned for a number of years. The electricity wasn't working. It had actually been, the feed for the electricity had actually been ripped off the house in a storm. 
um, when we turned the water on, it was like a shower downstairs. There were so many holes in the pipes from the pipes freezing and thawing over the years that it was like, you know, all over the, I'm like, ah, shut it off. You know, this is, it was everywhere. Um, there was a deck that, ex- that went two sides of the house and that was unsafe. They had caution tape all over that. So the lender that we were going with, and this is a whole nother story because both the lender and the seller were Bank of America, but they just did not talk to each other. So the lender wouldn't give us a loan until the house was able to be safely lived in. The bank that had foreclosed on the loan, also Bank of America, wouldn't agree to do the work. Like, do you understand? I can't buy this place from you and get it off your hands unless you'll... Anyway, um, it was a lot of finagling and negotiating, some drama, some, you know, lots of lots of stuff. But in the end, uh, I was able to convince the Bank of America, the seller, <laughs> to pay for a new deck and to update the plumbing. And they actually probably would have paid for the electricity, but I had already had a friend who's an electrician to put that on. But anyway, after about three months of back and forth and up and down and running around and talking to both Bank of America, you know, units on the phone, um, I was proud. I was finally the proud owner of a cute little house that needed a ton of work. So long story short, like let's fast forward to a couple of years later when I got the house all fixed up and was able to sell it and double my investment. I used that money to buy two more houses, one to live in and one to put on Airbnb as a rental. And then I did that again. I sold the the rental and bought two more rentals. So, and I just sold my most recent project, which was taking the house that I lived in and turning it into a two-family house so that I could rent the other side on Airbnb. So that person, whoever it was that week, was basically paying my mortgage and all my living expenses. And I, again, on that property, doubled my investment. So I, I used that money and it's just happening. I literally just moved last week. I purchased a downtown loft, which is really cool, and a huge commercial building, which is where I am right now in this, I oh, can't tell it's huge, but in this space, um, that I'm going to turn into a co-working space, like a work bar type of you know uh, space. And I'm really excited about that. I can tell you, I don't worry about money anymore. I don't have to wonder if I can afford groceries. I don't have to drive around in a 10-year-old vehicle. And I travel. I have fun. I teach other people. I volunteer a lot. Life is really, life is good. Life is good. Next week, we're going to get into even more detail about how you can leverage some of your existing assets to start making money like I did when I turned my one family into a two family without making it any bigger is kind of an important point. So if you're excited to hear more and excited to come along with me on this ride for your life, then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram or your Facebook page and be sure to tag me so I can be looking for you in the audience at Christine McCarron, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. M-C-C-A-R-R-O-N. See you next week. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.